Well, we're going to talk about wisdom today. Let's have a word of prayer and begin our study, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord to study your word. Help us as we look at Ecclesiastes today, Lord. Help us by the Spirit of God to learn something that would help us in our walk with you even this week. Thank you for these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Solomon, Solomon's qualifications or his accomplishments are, are given very clearly in the Word of God. <clears throat> 1 Kings 4.29 says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. So he was a pretty smart fellow. Now, notice what it says in 1 Kings 4.32. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. How many have you all read his proverbs? How many have read his proverbs? Some of you. Good. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. That's a lot of writing and speaking, but he did it because God had given him this great wisdom to do this task. Now, I've said this before as I preached through this uh, series, as the elders are, and our pastor are doing this. Uh, <coughs> James tells us there are two kinds of wisdom. In his book, James 3.15, it says, This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Did you notice that? That earthly wisdom is demonic. We don't like to hear that, but this is what God says. The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Notice what verse 17 in the same book of James says, 3.17, But the wisdom that is from above, that's the heavenly kind, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Boy, that's, that's a wonderful description of, uh, of God's wisdom. So, non-believers, anyone who hasn't trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you are a non-believer, and the Bible says that they and believers, we who have received Christ, we're, or, and whoever, someone who is, actually I should say, a, a non-believer who, who is not in fellowship with the Lord, because uh, he can't be because he's never received Jesus as Savior. And believers, even believers who have trusted Jesus, who are not in fellowship with the Lord, sometimes don't give a rip about God's wisdom, so they don't use it either. But it's available if they want it. That's the earthly wisdom. But believers who ask for God's wisdom have it and can use it. And thank God for that. Wisdom is the ability to see with discernment to view life as God perceives it. And I have another definition of it, which I used when I preached the last time in the series. Wisdom is doing things Jesus' way, the way Jesus would want us to do it. That's wisdom. So let's look at, uh, first of all, his word about, uh, Solomon's words about righteousness and wickedness. Did you see it in verses 15 to 18? I'm going to read them verse by verse. And uh, so you can follow in your Bible or in, in however you're looking at it today. So let's, let's see what uh, Solomon said about righteousness and wickedness. Very interesting. He said in verse 15, I have seen everything in my days of vanity. 
there is a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Oh boy, when we read that, we kind of get discouraged because it says here that uh, here's here. In fact, here's what human here's what human wisdom says about verse 15. I think I put this in your notes. Don't be too holy and don't be too wicked. Sin to a moderate degree. And someone says, <laughs> and someone says, hooray! But you better not, because that's not what it's all about. But that's what the verse intimates as you read it. Don't be too holy, don't be too wicked, and sin to a moderate degree. How sad that is. That must be the favorite scripture of many people because, because it seems to advocate moderation in both good and evil. And that's not what he's trying to teach us here, even though this is the worldly view, the demonic view of wisdom. <clears throat> this is all human reasoning. It is true, and you know this, some righteous people die young. And some wicked people live an awful long time. Have you noticed that? But see, God is in control of this. We don't control that. God does. You and I, you and I have known people like this. Uh, maybe all of you don't know, but Pastor Kyle and I know them. There's others I'm sure know too. That uh, uh, We've known missionaries who died very, very young. Last, was it last year that Phil died or the year before? Last year, Phil Jansma, one of our dear missionary friends, and his father, who I helped in the Amazon jungles for years to go up to his remote area with the, with the Indians. Uh, he died last, last year in Brazil, in Manaus, Brazil, with COVID. And so some die young, as did he. And on the other hand, we've known some pretty godless men who died at a ripe old age. So Solomon's response to this verse is very interesting because it's not the same in all of your Bibles, but in the King James Version, and maybe others also, they're, they're in verses 16 to, uh, to in 16 and 17, he uses the word overly, O-V-E-R-L-Y. In other words, don't, don't overdo it on me. Say overly, write, write an interesting word. So be careful when you read this because you and I know that a person cannot, you cannot be too holy or you can't be too righteous, correct? Can't do, you can't be too, you can't exaggerate in this. You can't be too holy and you can't be too righteous. God wants you to be a spiritual person, a righteous person, a holy person. And he enables you to do that by his power. So it says, don't be over, in verse 16 it says, do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Now look at the next verse, 17. Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? Now let's just talk about those verses a little bit, okay? Just bear with me as I just make some comments about them. If you are over-righteous, it means that you are self-righteous. See, some people try to be something they are not. God wants us to be righteous, and some people aren't righteous, so they act righteous. See what I mean? And that's not what God wants. If you are overly wise, here we go in wisdom, if you are overly wise, then you are proud and acting like something you are not. 
You can't be a wiseacre. You can't be a wisecracker. You can't be an overly wise person or you're going to be a proud and you're acting like something you are not really. Now, let's talk about the wicked. If you are overly wicked, then you are acting like any sinner and will suffer the consequences. So he's just trying to help us understand this. In fact, he says two times here, why should you destroy yourself and why should you die before your time? People who act out of character and do not live the way God wants them to live, they are toying with danger and why should they destroy themselves? Why should they die before their time? But they will, probably. Solomon is saying this, don't claim to be self-righteous and don't claim to be wise. To be over-righteous is to strive for a self-made righteousness based on an outward adherence to rules. Some people just like to live with the rules and that's all they want to do. In other words, he is saying, don't be a religious show-off. Have we seen some of those before? Religious show-off, that's what some people are. And he says, be careful of that. That's not what we're supposed to do. Over-righteous, self-righteous, or pharisaical. Yeah, boy, the Pharisees, they know how to do it real well. <laughs> in, uh, in their fanatical self-righteousness, they would strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Can you get that picture? That's Matthew 23, 24, not my words. That's God's word, Matthew 23, 24. Self-righteousness has the potential to lead to much harm. Matthew 23, 5 says, but as their works they do to be seen by men, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garment. And remember the Pharisee that stood there and he, remember he was praying and he says, boy, Lord, I'm sure glad that I'm not like this tax collector. See, he was, see the way he was praying? That, that's because he was, he was over-religious, over, over over-righteous, acting out of role. Don't think yourself righteous because you don't do certain things. Some people say, oh, well, I just won't do this or that, and then I'll be more righteous. Oh, no, that's not the way it is. Righteousness is a gift of God by the Holy Spirit. And as you submit yourself to him and walk with him and read his word and pray, you will be the kind of person God wants you to be, and you're not going to go around uh, not doing certain things just for that reason. God will show you exactly how to live. Don't try to be religious more than you really are. Don't be a fake. That's what he wants us to, to, to display in these words here. Don't be overly wise, acting like you are wiser than you really are. To be overwise is to think of oneself as self-sufficient in matters of knowledge, especially when it comes concerns the things of God. Why should you destroy yourself, he said, and a couple of times there. Well, anyway... The proper attitude toward life is found in verse 18. Notice carefully what it says in verse 18. It is good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them. Escape, of course, there means to avoid extremes. Chasing after extremes will not prolong one's life, dear people, or provide the satisfaction one desires. A man that fears God is humble and renounces his own righteousness and distrusts his own wisdom, and he fears to commit sin and shuns folly. 
That's the way the righteous man is going to live. And that's the way you and I will live if we are doing it correctly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, says Proverbs 9.10. And Jesus Christ is to the believer, and I love this verse, Jesus Christ, this is found in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. I love this verse. For Jesus Christ is to the believer wisdom and, from God and righteousness, uh, sanctification and redemption. So God's people need not manufacture these blessings themselves. God gives them to you freely. Beautiful, beautiful verses from God's word. Well, let's step to one more item in our, in our account here in, in uh, Ecclesiastes. And let's look at Solomon's good things to know about wisdom. And uh, this, is, uh, this is practical stuff. He is going to now give us in these few verses some real practical things to look over, to think and ponder. Um, Notice what it says. It says in verse 19, wisdom strengthens the wise more than 10 rulers of the city. Is that a lot of wisdom? Sure is. Wisdom does that. God gives that to those who walk with him and ask him for wisdom. He gives them, they are wiser than, than, than 10 rulers of the city. Wow, that's, that's a, pretty, a pretty smart person. The wisdom God gives helps you and me in amazing ways. All you have to do is ask for it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. And if we don't have wisdom to act day by day the way God wants us to act, according to the way Jesus would act, it's because we haven't asked him. But do it. James 1.5. Look it up and, boy, obey it. What a beautiful thing. So wisdom in verse 19, wisdom strengthens the wise. I love it. Look at verse 20. There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Do you agree with him? Yep. Wisdom teaches us the truth about ourselves. We look at God's word and it tells us exactly the way we are. And this verse is good at it. There's not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. We are all sinners. We are all sinners, and Christians are saved by his grace. So in this room right now, you who are listening to my voice, you are in one group or the other. You are in the lost group going into a Christless eternity without Jesus, or you are in the saved crowd that's going to go to heaven when Jesus comes to take us home, or if we die before that time. So, lost and saved. I hope you examine your own heart, my dear friends, today. If you're lost without Jesus, come to him for salvation. He's the only way that you can be saved and go to heaven when you die. Verse 21 says, Also do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Does anyone get the import of that? Do you see what he means there? What does he really mean? Do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Oh, boy. In other words, we should not be too curious to know what other people think of us. Don't be too curious what people think of us. You might hear what you do not want to hear. I have, I have seen people snuggle up to a group of people when they're talking 
And I often wonder, I, want, I wonder what they're seeking. I wonder if they think they're going to be talking about someone. And wow, what if they were talking about the guy that just snuck up to listen to them? I don't know. But sometimes <laughs> they, they say that an eavesdropper rarely hears anything good about himself. Uh-oh. You know... You're that kind of a person that's always trying to eavesdrop on another's conversation, and so he's sort of warning you against that. Take heed. Don't try to listen to what they say. You're going to find out they're cursing you or talking about you, so just be careful. He's just trying to give us some wisdom, down-to-earth wisdom about things that just happen in life which are so very, very real. There's one more in verse 22. Wisdom reminds us of what we have done. Verse 22 says, For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Oh, really? Have you ever cursed someone else? Boy, my wife and I never forgot what we did when we went to the a top of a mountain in Brazil on one of those cable cars and very innocently, just innocently talking about things and people in front of us and making some comments that weren't they were not naughty, they were not unkind, but they probably weren't very accurate. And we were just kind of summing up some, someone's attitude or behavior of these passengers that were going up to the top of the hill in this cable car with us. We went up to the top and then we came back and the same couple about whom we had made some mentions, you know, between Margie and me, they came right by us and they spoke perfect English. And that's the language that we refer to them about whatever we were talking about. We were using English thinking they only spoke Portuguese. See, that's what you get in trouble. That's why you get in trouble. <laughs> that's why it says in verse 22, for many times also your own heart has known that, that even you have cursed others. Be careful how you talk about others. Okay, now, dear folks, let's go to Solomon's personal testimony. That's in verses 23 to 29. Did you know that in this section, he uses the personal pronoun I various times? I didn't count them all, but he uses I, 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 because he's giving you, giving us a personal testimony of what's going on. Now, uh, Solomon says, there is much I and many others do not know. Well, that's a good admission. That's an honest admission. That's in verse 23. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. What was far from me? Wisdom. He wasn't as wise as he maybe thought he was. Look at verse 24. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? In other words, he, he, he found Solomon is trying to tell us there is much I and many others do not know. Would you agree with that, my dear friends? Are there many things that we do not know? Absolutely. There are many things we do not know. Uh, I had a friend one time who everything I ever said to him, he said, I know. Every, everything. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't say anything about anything ever. He says, I know. And uh, I wondered how he could know. Well, uh, anyway... Solomon said, that's not too good a way to act, because you don't know everything. There are many things that we do not know. Down in the next verses, Solomon says, 
This was, this was, he doesn't say this, but I'm saying this, speaking for him. He, Solomon says, this is my project, and here are the results. So his project was in, uh, in verse 25. I applied my heart to know, to search, and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. That was his project. <clears throat> I like that. Let's go to verse, let's go to verse 26, and here's, here's something, he, what, what he discovered about men and women. Now listen to this. This hits us where we don't like to be hit, class. <laughs> verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Don't badmouth Solomon until you've read everything he ever wrote about women, because he wrote some very special things about women. After all, I knew a lot about them. <clears throat> so this, this verse 26, is, this is the seductress about whom Solomon warns young men in Proverbs 2, verses 16 to 19. You see, Solomon, even though he certainly was not perfect, he has given us some help. Listen to these words. He says this, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the, to the, to the dead. And uh, none who go to her return, nor do they regard the paths of life. So if you feel trapped, I'll tell you, There are some people who may be trapped this morning by someone who is immoral. Someone may be in a relationship that's not healthy. I speak to singles and I speak to young people and boys and girls. If you feel trapped, be careful. Listen to this. Verse 27, here is what I have found, says the preacher, adding one thing to other to find out the reason. Verse 28, <clears throat> and this is the one that very few people understand and everybody blasts Solomon for. Listen to this. I'm going to read 27 again. Here is what I have found, says the preacher, adding one thing to the other to find out the reason which my soul still seeks, but I cannot find one man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Can you believe that? He only, Solomon in his life found only one man who seems to line up with the principles about which he is writing in Scripture. One man. He doesn't name him either, you notice that. This man seemed to have all the things together in the manner he has been speaking. Solomon suggests that one man in a thousand has discovered the way of wisdom and profit 
And it's a sad commentary. Solomon only knew one man that fit this category, according to his own words. Now, but of, of all the women he knew, he found none thoroughly faithful, upright, and pious. Are you kind of shocked to hear those words from Solomon? Perhaps the preacher Solomon was reflecting, listen to this, perhaps Solomon was reflecting upon his 700 wives and 300 concubines. Certainly not a good sampling. But as he looked at his 1,000 wives, he found not one that fit his bill. So, with a thousand women in your home, under your roof, do you suppose we could say that Solomon could not skirt the issue? <laughs> this was his problem. Listen to God's word. King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. How many of them? A thousand. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Asheroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Malcolm, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow, fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the uh, abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. What a sad story. What a sad story. Even King Lemuel in Proverbs chapter 31 says this, it was hard to find a virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous, woman, a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? <clears throat> you, cannot, you cannot learn, Socrates made an interesting statement. He says, you cannot learn godly wisdom in a university and get a degree in it. It can only come to a heart in right relationship with God and seeking it. The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing, said Socrates. Yeah, and let God give you his grace. Young people and single adults, are you praying for a mate? I wonder if Solomon prayed for his mates. I kind of doubt it. God has the right one for you. And it's not the ones like Solomon had either. Let him lead you to the right mate, dear people, as you 
enter into this phase of your life, don't you dare do it on your own. Let Jesus choose your mate. I had the privilege when I went to, I was a truck driver, and God called me to go to, to school just as, as, as definitely as if he came down and spoke to me in the cab of the truck and said, Ralph, get off this truck, get off this road, get off this desert out here in Arizona and go to school. So I did. When I went to school, I met a, I didn't meet, I just saw in the library a lady that, man, she sure looked nice. And her name was Marjorie Monroe. And, uh, but she had another boyfriend. Uh, not another boy, but she had a boyfriend. And I knew him too, but, but I, I mean, I knew him later because from, he was from this church. And, uh, but anyway, here's what I said. I knew that I wanted to be married someday, and I knew I'm a pretty simple guy and not very smart, so I said, oh God, somewhere out there you have the right lady for me. I want you to choose my mate. I give myself to you. You choose my mate for me, and I will be happy. And I never did anything more about it, except one day I looked up in the library and the boy sitting next to Margie was no longer there. And that, nor was he there any other night. They weren't going together, so I asked Margie for a date. And you know the end of the story. On this platform, 67 years ago, we were married and then went to Brazil. And so I married the only girl that I ever went with. God is so good. God is so good. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. So, dear people, verse 29 says, The problem is not with God. He made man upright, but they have gone after many evil things. If you go after many evil things, you will not find the right mate in your life. Let us bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, Help us, I pray, to learn what it means to just give you our lives and our decisions and let you choose for us what is best for our lives. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, and thank you for the, the simple lessons from Solomon in this portion today. Help those, Lord, who are here who have never trusted Jesus. May even now, as we pray, they just say, Oh, Jesus, I know that you died for me. You are my Savior. I'm a sinner. I confess. I give you my life. I give you my sins. Forgive me. Cleanse my life. Make them, Lord, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And help all of us who know you and have known you for years to walk before you in holiness and righteousness and sanctification and wisdom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.